Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you Man, that's about one minute of uh, 55 minutes, so happy Father's Day to my father. I love him, and I'm grateful for reconciliation and for redemption and salvation and miracles that God does. And today, um, I know I have a great father because I have a great father. Amen? So uh, I'm just honored for that. So all you dads and all those that are still praying for it, and for those that are, this is a moment of just maybe hurt because you miss your father and so on and so forth as... uh, Our brother just prayed. It's a reminder that we we have a father, and God is our good father. Amen? I want to share a word with you today, and if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down for you guys that are fans of this show. I'm not necessarily referencing this show, but if you are a fan, then enjoy it. Um, But today's message is titled, All in the Family. All in the Family. And um, that's we're going to look into a family today. Uh, So it's interesting because, you know... um, as preachers, sometimes you think like, okay, it's Mother's Day, I have to preach to moms, and I got to preach about a woman. It's Father's Day, I got to preach to dads, and I got to preach about a father. You know, it's Easter, obviously, I got to preach about resurrection, and it's Valentine's, I got to preach about love. And you're always trying to, you know, figure out like, hey, you know, I can't. Um, I, I did it one time, and I remember like, it was like, oh, we, we preached on like, I always mess around or something, like the rapture. On a day it was like Mother's Day. That's not that's not that's not a good thing to do. You know what I mean? Tribulations. You know, in the in the time of when you invite all your moms to come. But today I want to share a message of all in the family, and I think it's going to touch on dads. I think it's going to touch on moms. It's going to touch on children. It's going to touch on the whole unit. For those that are part of a family, and every single one of us are part of a family. You're a child in a family. You're a maybe a parent in the family. You're someone in your family, and I pray that you would take something from this message. And from this story. And what I want to do is I want to look at someone interesting. I want to look at something that happened in the Old Testament that I feel every time I read it. And lately it's been in my heart. Um, I feel it's, um, it's something that we could learn from. And it's a very interesting story. And I want to look at Abraham's son, one of his sons. And one of his sons by the name of Isaac. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Isaac. But today we're going to focus a little bit on Isaac. One of Abraham's sons, Isaac. I'm not going to necessarily focus on Abraham today, just Isaac. But then Isaac is not the whole story. He's not the only person in his family. He married a woman by the name of Rebecca. So we're going to speak a little bit about Rebecca. But not just Isaac and Rebecca. They had some children. They had twins. And these twins, anyone know their names? One's name is Jacob. And the other one's name is Esau. When they were born, we see that... From the moment that they were born, Esau was the firstborn of the twins. And when he came out, we see that his brother Jacob was holding on to his foot there saying, Hey, no, 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 I want to come out first. He, From the moment of birth, there was already something in him that indicated that he wanted a blessing. He wanted to be special. He wanted to be great. And there was something in Jacob that was already pushing Esau down so that he could be first. But I want to look at the dynamics of this family and look at every unit of this family. I want to take a perspective where I don't just point the finger at Isaac or point it at Rebecca or at the boys. 
I want to look at the whole family and say, hey, all of this is part of the whole family. It's all in the family. And I, and I hope that it blesses you, and I hope you get to get some things out of it. So take notes. I'm going to give you about six points today so you kind of know where we're at today by the points. And you'll see we're going to get into them real quick right away so we could stay um, on track. Let's go to Genesis uh, chapter 27. I'm going to read from the English Standard today, but I want you just to see the heart of this. You're going to get things out of it. You're going to get points from it that I probably won't even touch up on. There's so much that's going on in this home. There's so much that's going on in this family that obviously I couldn't touch up on all of it. But I know that as you read it, there's going to be a lot that you're going to get from it. So let's start reading in Genesis chapter 27. Look at this. It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so he was going blind, he could not see. He called Esau, his older son, and he said to him, my son, and he said, here I am. He said, behold, I'm old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and, and hunt game for me. So go hunt, bring me food. Prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you. He's telling Esau, so that my soul may bless you before I die. We'll stop there and we'll keep reading. That's the first four verses. Point number one, write this down. Here is... Here is Isaac introduced in Genesis chapter 27. He brings, he calls Esau into the room. And we see the story. He's blind. He's, he's losing his vision. He's older in his years. And he wants to give the blessing to the son named Esau, whom the Lord had already told him otherwise. And we'll get into that now. Point number one is this. Do not, fathers, this is a great point for you to remember. Families, a great point for you to remember. Do not reject God's word and God's wisdom. And that's something that we should always live by. We should always live in God's wisdom and, and in God's word. How do I grow in wisdom? Well, grow in his word. And as you go through experiences in life, his word will sharpen you and teach you through those experiences as well. It's not good to go through experiences and not with the word or in the word. It's part of the growth. It's part of what happens to us as Christians and teaches us. And here is Isaac, and the Lord has already spoken to him. And you may say, well, when did this happen? If you flip your page over, in Genesis chapter 25, just two chapters before this right here that is about to take place, the Lord says this. Please listen to what he tells this family and what he tells his wife, Rebecca. He says... To her, he says, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you shall be divided. And here's where it's very important. It says, the one shall be stronger than the other. Look what he says. He says, the older shall serve the younger. So right there, the Lord is telling Isaac and he is telling Rebekah what's going to unfold the blessing is going to Jacob, not necessarily Esau. Later on in his years, Isaac decides, well, I'm going to give it to Esau. I know what God said, but I'm going to give it to this son. Here's, here's some thoughts. See, Isaac knew of this. He knew of Genesis 
25 and what the Lord said to his wife. He knew of this and he gives it to Esau, the blessing, and that's what he wants to do. One scholar says this, it seems that Isaac rejected godly thinking and spiritual wisdom. Instead, he thought only of food and common man-centered ideas of might. Isaac, just being an older man, just thought about right there in that present, my strong son, my hunting son, go get me what I like. The fact that Isaac tried to give the blessing secretly, it showed that he knew that what he wanted to do was wrong. Why did you do it secretly, Isaac? Why did you do it in quiet? Why didn't you bring the whole family in to bless your son? In this house, sadly, what we see from the beginning of Genesis 27 is that no one trusted. No one trusted anyone else in the home. And I want us to see this because I believe that this story is going to sharpen us. And this story is going to warn us. And this story is going to strengthen us today. Point number one is do not reject God's word. Do not reject God's wisdom. First of all, what do we see just in the first four verses of this chapter? First off, we see that there's wrong parenting all over this story. You're going to see that. Parenting done wrong by Isaac and Rebecca. Learn from this, parents, please, if you're a parent today, catch this story today. Also, I thought about this, these first four verses, and I said, well, can you relate to it? Can I relate to it? Come on, can we relate already to the introduction of this? Has there been a time when you yourself have rejected God's wisdom over a matter? You've ever had a matter in your life and you needed to operate in it and you, and, you, and you go through it and at the end of it, like, oh, I missed the mark. I don't, think I, I don't think I went through that with God's wisdom. Have you gone through a matter, matter and, and you missed God's wisdom on it? And you're like, well, again, how can I gain God's wisdom? Like, did, did you miss what God's word would say in that matter? Have you done something maybe your way, speaking to myself? Have I ever done something my way or gone about it my own way? I went opposite of what the Lord has required of me. I don't know about you guys, but I could be honest with you and say I absolutely have. I absolutely have gone and done things my way or the way I thought it was important and maybe gone away from how the Lord has required for me to act or behave or speak. And it's a reminder in the first four verses, fathers, the kids are looking at you. Fathers, your very own wives are looking at you. Other people are looking at you. Parents, listen to this. In everything that we do, that we do not reject God's word. Christians, that we do not reject God's word. Ever do not reject God's wisdom. Not ever. Not once. That we would be discerning, that we would really be in his word to know, like, what is it that God wants me to do in this? So for those that haven't, let this save you from future unnecessary hardships. If you turn your back on God's wisdom, if you turn away from God's word, you will see easily how, how tempted you could be to fall into these things. And then next thing you know, you are in some severe hardships. Do not reject God's word or God's wisdom. Amen? So what's... Where do I want to get to? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 5, we already know what happened. Isaac calls Esau in and says, go hunt for me. I'm going to bless you. Look at verse 5. 
Parenting done wrong, don't forget that. But check this out. Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. Now, we don't know what she was doing. We don't know if she was like behind a curtain. We don't know if she was like behind the couch and no one saw him. No one saw her. Whatever the case is, the scripture doesn't say that she was sneaking up on the situation. We don't know what it is, but we do know that she did hear what just took place. And it says that she was listening when Isaac spoke to the son Esau. And when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and to bring it, it says, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. And he said to him, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore my son, Rebekah is speaking to Jacob. Obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock. Go outside. Go to the backyard. And bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your, for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. How do you think it's going so far? Notice the planning. Notice what's going on. Dad is like, son, go do this. Mom's like, yo, I heard your dad told your brother this, so you need to go do this. Like, there's scams going on. There's lies everywhere. Like, is there even a fatherly figure in the house? Is there even a spiritual man there? Is there someone there to lead the household? No one knows really what their role is. Everyone has something specific to do or to say. The sons are involved in all of this mess. And not only are they involved in it, they're, they're actually participating in all kinds of ways in this mess. One son went to go hunt. The other son went outside to grab a goat to bring it to his mom. The other father's blind, waiting for the son to come with his food. While the other son is scheming with his mom to fake it, to give his father food. I mean, it's a mess. It's dysfunctional. This whole family. Point number two, I want you to write this down. Trust. Trust God's plan. But there's a little sub-note next to that, and it's this. Don't try to assist him on it. Just trust in God's plan. Don't try to counsel God. You've heard me say that here. There are many moments that I've had with God that I've tried to be his counselor. It's never worked. God, let me counsel you. Let me give you advice. Let me tell you how I think it should go. Just trust in God. Trust in God. What do we see here in verses 5 through 10? Well, Isaac is old. Maybe not near to death, though Scripture kind of gives us that Understanding that he's close to death, but as some have calculated, Isaac's age is around 137 years old at this point. And we know later on in scripture, it says that he lived to 180, so he did have some 43 more years to live. So I want you to know where he's at in his life. He is elderly, he is old, obviously, but he still has 43 more years. He just didn't know exactly how much more he had. And then what we see here is that Rebecca goes forward with what she thought was God's plan, which she is not necessarily wrong. Because we just read in Genesis 25 that God spoke to her and said, hey, it's not Esau, it's Jacob. And when she sees her husband speak to Esau, she says, no, 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 he's doing it wrong. So she takes action. She takes action. 
So, so it's not necessarily wrong, but her way of doing it, it would unfold into some horrific consequences for her very own sons. I love this because as fathers, mothers, parents, families, everything we do, we need to be sharp. We need to be aware because especially when it deals with our children, it may have consequences long term for their lives. And all the parents stayed quiet, did not say one Amen. Why would she do this? So I started thinking, and maybe you can start thinking with me. Why would she do what she just did? Maybe she thought God was taking too long. You've ever felt like God was taking too long for that which he promised you? So you got into the wrong relationship? So you said yes to the wrong job? So you, I mean, God, you took too long. And I couldn't wait anymore. Maybe she thought God was taking too long. Could it be that she trusted in her own strength and understanding rather than on faithful obedience? Waiting and trusting in the Lord, knowing that his will would be accomplished. Could she have feared, listen to this one, this is what I thought. Could she have feared that her husband was lacking godly wisdom? She's in the backdrop, and her husband's there, and he's like, I'm going blind, son. Go hunt so I could bless you and bring me food. And she's like, no. Isaac, God told us no. So maybe she came to a point of her life where Isaac was getting older, and she's like, he's lost godly wisdom. So she took it upon herself to do whatever it took to make sure that Isaac didn't mess things up. Whatever it is, all of this story, it, it's going to all end good, trust me. It seems kind of dysfunctional from the beginning here as we're reading this. Communication is off. Relationship between, between parents and kids seem favorable. My son's always coming up to me like, Dad, say it, say it. Who's your favorite? I'm like, you are my favorite son. And I look at my daughter. And she's like, she didn't get it. I'm like, and you are my favorite daughter. Here, there was favor going on in the relationship. There was a lack of communicating. There was so much going on. But in it all, I will say, don't ever try to assist. Just trust in God's plan. What did Rebecca do? Well, let me, let me, let me get involved and let me talk to my son and let me put some work into this. I, I have a game plan. I'll grab one of the goats outside and I'll cook it the way I know my husband likes it. What is she doing? Did she not hear in Genesis 25 that God told her your younger son will be the one? And what is she doing in her own intellect in her own strength she's trying to work it all out so that it could happen what is she doing god doesn't need her assistance when god speaks a word it does not return void when god says something he's spoken to you trust in the word of god that has been spoken to you how many of you could say amen, amen. you want to know where the danger is at when you put your hand you say i think i could do it a little bit better i think i could do it quicker I think I could do it my way. And God says, no, I got this. Point number two is what? Trust in God's plan for the three of you that are writing notes. Trust in God's plan. Trust in it. How many of you are in a state right now? You're just in a state. You don't have to open up about your state. 
you're just in this thing right now. And God is just telling you, trust in me. Trust in my plan. Trust in it. Just wait and trust. Amen? I wish I could tell you the story ended there. But it gets more and more interesting. So now we got two sons out. <laughs> we got the mom preparing all the, the sofrito and all that stuff. Let's keep reading. Verse 11 says this. Oh, Lord. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm, smooth. I'm a smooth man. <laughs> it's not going to work, Mom. He's going to touch me to pour his hands on me, and he's going to see that I'm not hairy. Perhaps my father will feel me and shall see that I'm doing this to mock him and bring a curse upon myself and not be a blessing. His mom doesn't stop. Rebecca goes on and she says, Let your curse be on me, my son, and obey my voice and go bring them to me. It's, it's like a movie, huh? So he went, he took them, brought them to his mother. His mother prepared delicious food as father loved. And then Rebecca took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were the poor Esau's hunting. She takes his clothes, gives it to her younger son, and the skins of young goats, and she puts it on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. She's gluing goat fur on her son. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son Jacob, Isaac, and Rebecca, Esau, and Jacob, as Charles Spurgeon says, they did not trust each other. Worse yet, they did not trust the Lord even in this scripture. Each one of them schemed and plotted against each other and against God. And the whole story reflects no credit upon any of the persons concerned here. They're, 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 just, they're just doing it on their own. They're doing it because they want to serve themselves and their own agendas. As one commentary writes, the worst aspect of this awe is they seem to regard the blessing as magical. Let's do this. Let's do it just to receive this magical blessing as something detached from God's wisdom and will. But in giving the blessing, the most Isaac could do, listen to this, was to recognize God's call and blessing on Jacob. Only God could truly give the blessing. Esau could receive the blessing from Isaac a hundred times, but it only mattered if God in heaven honored it. Guys, point number three is this. Write this down, please. Point number one, it was do not reject God's wisdom. Do not reject his word. Number two, trust. Trust in his plan. And here's number three. If it's from God, it is from God. If it's from God, it is from God. And our job, if it's of God, is not to scheme or to deceive or to trick or to play this game so that we can come on top. A person may think that by doing it their way or a wrong way that they have achieved or they've come to a place of validation. But let's not fool ourselves. Rego, never fool yourself. Nothing changes what God has. What, what's from God is from God, and nothing will deter that. Many times we, 
We dedicate children up here and we give them to the Lord. And then later on in their years, we want to take them back for ourselves. They're like, no, no, they're God's now. And it's like that with so many different avenues of our lives that if it's from God, trust in it that it's from God. And, and, and you see this whole story and deception starts to play out. Remember what's going on. Remember that one son is hunting. Remember that one son grabbed from the backyard and now they're putting fake skin on, uh, fake fur on him and he's getting dressed to smell like his brother. And all of this now takes place. Deception in full effect. And he goes to present food to his father. And the other one now comes from the field to present food to his father. And the scheme has happened. He blesses the wrong. He blesses Jacob, the right son. But the wrong son comes in to get the blessing. He said, no, it's already, it's a mess. It's a disaster. No one's honest. There's talking and scheming and. And, and that never does anything good with people in a relationship. Everyone's behind everyone's back here. No one is really a family here, though they say they're a family, but all in the family is all messed up. So now we've jumped to verse 33. Check this out. And we'll get to some good stuff now in a moment. In verse 33, it says this. It says, Then Isaac trembled violently, and he said, What? Who was it then that hunted game and he brought it to me and ate before you came? He's talking to Esau, his son, and and I blessed him. And yes, he's the one that shall be blessed. Who is this one? I want you to see what happened. It says, as soon as Isaac finished blessing Jacob, Jacob, he'd gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, and then Esau came back from hunting. And when he blessed, when he hears his son's voice, he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, I already blessed you. And he says, no, you haven't, I just got here. He says, so then who was it that came over here and brought me food? Here's my fourth point. God's will God's will wins. God's will wins. Listen, I'm not saying that God will win. Of course he will. What I'm speaking of is specifically God's will. His will always wins. I want to pause here for a moment before I finish with five and six. Because now I want to get into some good stuff. Isaac comes... And he says, Dad, it's me, it's your son Esau. And he probably deepens his voice a little bit. And he says, bring me the food. And he eats the food. He says, it's good. He touches him. There's hair on his neck. And he prays a blessing over him. And Jacob runs out happy. Yes, my dad, Isaac, blessed me. Esau comes in sweaty, dirty, smelling like Esau. He says, Dad, here's the food. I cooked it for you. I hunted it with my very own hands. I still have blood stains on me. It's yours. He says, no, no. He shakes violently. He's upset. He says, who tricked me? And immediately he knows, uh-oh, my son, the trickster. My wife was behind. I mean, what a mess. Now Esau's mad. <laughs> Jacob's running from Esau. Isaac's mad in his bed, half blind. Rebecca's nervous. Oh, my God, what's going to happen here? The whole family's a mess. I want you to see something here. There's issues here, and we see issues in the kids. There's kids issue, kid issues here. 
These kids had some issues. Let's talk about it. Esau's words had no weight. If you know anything about Esau, in the same chapter of 25, he actually promises brother Jacob, I'll give you the blessing. I'll give you the birthright. Just, I'm so hungry. Give me some of your soup. In Genesis 27, Esau, his words have no significance to him. Listen to this, because his concern was only on himself and not in his present mood or uh, was, was not on, the, on what was going on in the future, what would happen in times coming. But right now, in my current status, this is what's most important and this is all I care about. So he did whatever he had to do to please his status now. Without a care that what he chooses today, Esau, would haunt him tomorrow. So I thought about this for myself, and I said this. Be careful. Church, listen to this. Be careful not to live for today's pleasures, causing you to miss out on tomorrow's blessing. It's easy to get caught up to live in this hype of today that we forfeit the great glories that may await us in the future. So I thought deeper and I said, always live in the present, but with the reverence that your future glories outweigh all that is before you today. So live in the present with your eyes and with your heart fixed and set on eternity, on greatness. May you always live like that. There was a time when Esau, like I just told you, came from the field, exhausted and hungry. And he says, give me some of that stew. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright. And Esau said, if you don't feed me, I'm going to die. What, is good? what good is my birthright? And he says, swear it to me. And he swore it to Jacob. He says, it's yours. You take the blessing. Years later... He doesn't care about his word. Years later, he does exactly what he did years before. He just cares about himself and what he's going through in that current state of his life. What a mess, huh? I wonder where he gets it from. Let's talk about Jacob. That's Esau. Let's leave him alone, pobrecito. Jacob, he was so prideful that his only concern was... Will the plan succeed? <laughs> Rather than, is what I'm doing wrong? Not in this church, not with this group. I know that you guys will never say, I'm going to do something. Will it succeed even though it's wrong? You know, Jacob's life causes me to ask questions to myself on a great day like Father's Day. And the questions that Jacob's life causes me to ask myself is this. Have you lost the voice within you? The discernment within you? The conviction of the Holy Spirit within that has stopped to ask, is what I'm doing right or wrong? And if I have, or if anyone in here has, May Jacob's life be a reminder to do everything possible to remove that pride and to say, I need to do what's right before God. How many of you can say amen? See, Jacob wanted to be great. How many of you want to be great? You should have all raised your hands. 
Jacob wanted to be great. He wanted what God had for him. How many of you want what God has for you? There's nothing wrong with wanting to be great, and there's nothing wrong with wanting what God has for you. But when we reach for something great, and we go about it the wrong way, with the wrong heart, with the wrong motive, with the wrong attitude, with a bad spirit, the outcome will never be rewarding. See, God already spoke in this scripture. God already spoke to this family. He spoke great things for Jacob. Church, how many of you has God spoke great things for us? Great things for you. But Jacob couldn't find himself getting to this greatness by any other way than what he was accustomed to. And that was by deceiving and by being a trickster. Jacob and Esau, listen to this. These children who are now in their adult years have issues. It's very easy to blame Jacob and Esau. What a bunch of fools. These older gentlemen, brothers, how they're dealing with this. In their older years, they have not been able to strip off from themselves the wrong that they had always done since they were children. They were always doing this wrong. They have not been able to strip off or grow up, listen to this, from the enabling that was caused by their parents. And we read that even, it continues even here in their older years. So how old are they? They're over 40 years old in this story. How many of you thought they were like 15? They're not. They're 40 years old or over. They're around my age. And they were like little children playing dangerous games that almost gets them killed. Wow. Yes, Esau, right after this, goes chasing his brother Jacob for many years looking for him to kill him. So please listen to this as I get ready to go into five and six. And six, I'm going to wrap it up with point number six. Very meaningful. But listen to this. Little kid games as adults can become dangerous death or life scenarios as adults later on in our lives. So here's an example. Here is grown man Jacob, and he's getting dressed up and disguising himself as his brother Esau, pretending to be someone you're not to get something you want. Little kid games. But some adults still do it, and it could cost them so much in their lives. It's like the married person that goes to the gym but pretends they're not married. You're playing little kid games, and it could cost you your life. You're pretending to be someone you're not. So can I give you my second to last point? Because now Esau's mad at Jacob, and he's going to kill him. And Jacob has to do something. What am I going to do with what I've just done? Here's point number five. Ready? This is a great reminder for all of us. Deal with it before it deals with you. Just deal with it. Go through it. Face it. Have the conversation and deal with it. So what does verse 41 and 42 say? It says this, Esau hated Jacob. Hated, 
I can't think of hating my sister. I love my sister so much. How do I get to a point to hate her? Have you ever had a brother in the Lord that you loved, a sister in the Lord that you loved, that you did life with, you cried with, served one another, and that love turned into hatred? Has that ever happened to you? Mm. Esau hates Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, where the sin begins, he says, the days of mourning my father are at hand, and I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to mom, Rebecca, and she sent and called Jacob. Look at this. Her younger son and said to him, surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. <laughs> Run, get out of here. Revenge is a comforting thought to those who feel they have been wronged like Esau, but things would not work out as Esau had hoped or planned. He vowed to kill. He promised. He swore out loud in his heart, and we see it later on with his actions, to kill his brother after the death of his father, thinking that it was soon. But I love how God works. Ready? Guys, I'm going to wrap this up. I love how God works. Esau, you have wrong in your heart. You want to kill your brother. Watch this. I'm going to allow your father to live 43 more years now. See how I had to build all this sorrowful story to get to a place good? You thought this was going to be a very sorrowful Father's Day message, and I'm going to turn it real quick on you. You're like, why is he preaching such a somber message? Because it's going to turn really good right now. His dad was 137 years old. He was blind and dying. He's like, when he dies, I'm going to kill my brother. And the Lord is on his throne, and he says, I'm glad you think so. But you can't go against my word. So because your heart is wrong, watch this. Your father who was going to die tomorrow, I'm going to let him live another 43 years so that I could deal with your heart. Have you ever been dealt with God and he's had to deal with your heart and he's given you another 43 years to deal with it? The person that you couldn't stand now becomes the person that sits next to you at work every single day. And God just smiles at you and says, I'm dealing with your heart. You know, Esau thought his dad was almost dead. Esau really thought so. And God says, nah. What I am going to do is I'm going to kill you and your brother. And I'm going to cause you both to die yourself so I could reconcile the brotherhood that was meant to be. Hey, guys, point number five is deal with it before it deals with you. God was using those years of 42 years that his father will continue to live to deal with Esau, but not just with Esau, because where's Jacob? We haven't spoken about Jacob. We're not going to let Esau take all the blame. Jacob is doing what, church? Come on, you know this story. He is running for his life. For all these years, 40 years, running from it. Can you imagine every night putting your head to your pillow, saying, can tonight be the night that my, my, my brother catches me and kills me? 
tormented for 40 plus years. Could this be the day that Esau finds me? He ran from his death for 40 years. That's tormenting. I can't live like that. He lived like that. And God had to deal with his heart. And God had to deal with Esau's heart. And God had to deal with Jacob's heart. And he had to do all of these miracles. So in, verse, in chapter 32, what, is, what happens to Jacob? He's out. He's not where his brother's at. He's out in the field, out in the land. And a man shows up and he begins to fight. And he begins to wrestle with this man. And the man touches his hip and dislocates his hip. And he says, oh my goodness, today I've wrestled with God. And in that moment, the Lord looks at him and says, Your name shall no longer be Jacob. Your name shall be Esau, um, Israel for the rest of your life. And Israel's life right there in Genesis chapter 32, I believe, is touched and transformed by God. Transformed by God. And you're like, well, what happened with Esau? Did God touch his hip too? Did God do a miracle in him? I think God did a miracle in him. Because the scripture shows us the full story. I told you to deal with it before it deals with you. And in life, we need to deal with things. Like this immature children game, playing games, things in our families. Like if I got an issue with my wife, I don't want to deal with it because sometimes I fear her. <laughs> sometimes she's scary. But the right thing to do is what? Deal with it if I want to make this relationship work. And if I have a problem with God and I have an issue with God, guess what I have to do? I have to get on my knees and deal with my relationship with God if I want to make it work. And if I just don't like Omar right now and Omar's really rubbing me the wrong way, then guess what I have to do with you, Omar? I got to deal with it because if I don't deal with my issues, eventually they're going to deal with me. So my children are going through things and I'm going through things and what do I do because I'm trying to juggle my stuff and then I have to juggle their stuff. But guess what I have to do? I can't ignore my children. I still have to deal with their things because if not, their things are going to deal with me. Life, you can't run. You can't go to the cave. You can't hide under your sheets. You can't put the pillow over your head. Grow up. Be an adult. Fathers, be fathers. Mothers, be mothers. Adults, be adults. Be a man, be a woman of God, and deal with things in your life before they deal with you and get the end of you. You have to come to grips with it and say, it's here. It's in front of me. It's real. I need to deal with it. My brother has beef with me. I need to tell him, I'm sorry. Forgive me for tricking you again. Do what you have to do. But these little games, they cause more problems. This little thing causes more problems, and that's what's happening with the family. Rebecca is telling his, her son, and Isaac is telling his other son, and, and now they got beef, and, and now they want to kill each other, and now one is living with fear, and now the other ones went, went from hunting game to now hunting his brother. How do you go from hunting game to hunting your very own flesh and blood? Come on, church, we used to fight against the devil. We used to fight against the works of darkness. But now the church is fighting against each other. <laughs> Families, they have pictures of vacations together. Husbands and wives feeding each other cake, disgusting with their very own hands on their wedding day. Because of love. And now, they're hunting each other. You know why? You know why that happens in families? 
Why that happens in churches? Why that happens in workplaces? Because we don't deal with it. So it starts to deal with us. Amen? Amen. Happy Father's Day. (laughs) All right, let's finish this. Should we sing, you're a good, good father? We should sing it. Genesis chapter 33. Watch how all this gets dealt with. We're going to end good here, guys. We're going to end really good, I promise you. Jacob lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, Esau was coming. You didn't think Esau was coming for him? You thought God was just going to end the story there? No, no. No, no. Jacob. I need you to look up here, Jacobs. Your Esau's coming. <laughs> Did you like hearing that? Jacob, Esau is coming. Esau is coming. The question is, what are you going to do? Let's read the story. Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming. I I could have titled this message, Esau is coming. And And 400 men with him. So how do you think Esau was coming? He was coming. What do you call this nowadays? Because I'm older. So like I say things, and they're like, yo, we don't say those words. What? D-dub, that's what we used to say. He's coming heavy. He's not coming with a few friends. He's coming to see his brother with 400 friends. Some things are going to get dealt with here. <laughs> We're going to war. I've had issues with people before when I, when I was in the Lord, and I took a little squad. But 400? That's a little too much. That's a lot of cars. That's a lot of people. 400 is a lot. He takes 400 men with him. And he divided the children among Leah and... Guys, look at Jacob. We're done. We're wrapping this up. It's over. He divides the children among Leah and Rachel. And the two female servants. And he put the servants with their children in front. <laughs> He's like, you guys die first. I'm putting my important children and my important wives in the back. But you guys die first. My servants, you die first. And your kids. I'm not lying. It says that he put Leah and her children and Rachel and Joseph last of all. They're going to kill all of you before they get to us. Maybe we'll be out of here by then. He himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times. I love that it's seven. I don't want to get into the whole numbers, but... It's real cool that he did it seven times. And so he came near to his brother and he says, I pray that my forgiveness, I pray that this can be completed right here. I pray that this could come to an end. I pray that the spirit behind this is that it could say it is finished. It is done. So look at verse 4. I would have been a little scared if I was Jacob when I read verse 4. It says, but Esau ran to meet him. Don't keep reading, don't keep reading the verse. But that's, that's scary. Esau ran to meet him, but look what it says next. And he embraced him, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed them, and they wept. What does this sound like? Doesn't it sound like the prodigal son coming to the father? 
Doesn't it sound like the heart of Christ? Doesn't it sound like the gospel becoming alive in the hearts of bitterness and of anger and of hatred, now showing love and compassion and grace again and forgiveness? Don't you see the gospel all over this? And when Esau lifted up his eyes, he saw the women and children and he said, who are these with you? You know what he means, right? Are these my nephews and nieces? I missed out on my nephew and nieces. And Jacob said to him, the children whom God has graciously given your servant, has given me, these are my kids. Then the servants drew near, they and their children, they bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And last, Joseph and Rachel drew near and they bowed down. And Esau, man, what a beautiful picture. And Esau said, what do you mean by all this company that I met? And Jacob said, to find favor in the sight of my Lord. Guys, do you think that Jacob's life is transformed here? I think God busting his hip up did some work in him. I think him wrestling with God did some work with you. You know why you need to wrestle with God sometimes? You need to wrestle in God so that when Esau comes to you, you're ready to deal with it. So your wrestling with God is to bring out Christ out of you. Wrestling with God is not a bad thing. If you're going to wrestle with anyone, at least you're, if you're doing anything with God, at least you're wrestling with him. It's going to bring good because I already told you he wins anyways. And Esau said, no, brother, I already have enough. Keep what you have for yourself. Wow. He's not going to kill him. He's not going to take from him. And Jacob comes back and says, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, accept my present from my hand, for I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Wow. I've seen your love and your compassion, and you to receive me again, and I see the face of God in what you're doing. Verse 11, please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God, here it is, here it is, because God has dealt graciously with me. God has dealt with me. How many of you are feeling the whole dealing thing? On this Father's Day, God is saying, come on, come to school. We're going to deal with it for a little while. How many of you have some things you got to deal with? You got some things you got to deal with? Well, I tell you this then to end today, and it's this. It's that my point, my last point, point number six, is that the Lord, the Lord restores. The Lord restores. Miho, in one of our, um, Dad, get Jackson again.
He's a little bit older. I wish I would have given you a picture. I didn't think about doing this until right now. If you have at some point rejected God's word and God's wisdom, remember that the Lord restores. If you fail to trust in God's plan, remember that the Lord restores. It's not the end for you. If you haven't dealt with things that need to be dealt with, guys, remember that the Lord restores. Amen? In Hosea chapter 6, I love Hosea chapter 6 as he leads Israel, as he leads Israel in prayer in regards to God's dealing and chastisement towards them. And in Hosea's prayer, come son, I called you up here. Baba, come Jackson, come, come. He's fighting with his grandfather back there. You're not going. Yeah, you are coming. Father, you come too with him. You left him hanging like that, dad? He took the walk of shame. Shame. Come up here with me. It's all right. So I took him from his friends. In chapter 6, Hosea is not resentful towards God, towards God's correction. He's not arguing with, arguing with God after the Lord just dealt with Israel. I want to read Hosea 6, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, Come, let us return to the Lord. He's torn, now that he may, he may heal us. He struck down, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. He's speaking of future resurrection of Christ, that, he, we, that we may live before him. Verse 3, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. His will, sorry, he will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. What is Hosea saying? He's saying the Lord restores just come, come. He restores what's broken. He restores the shame. He restores the hurt. Fathers, mothers, parents, families, whatever you are, in whatever situation, whatever needs to get dealt with, listen to the words of Hosea. Listen to everything I just said in these six points. The Lord restores. You don't believe me? Look at these three gentlemen that are standing on this stage. And let it be a reminder to you that the Lord restores. When I was like 20... Listen to these words, and I shouldn't say it, but I hope you're old enough to hear these things. And if you're not, Lord, let it be upon me. But one day I looked at this man when I was in my 20s, and I said one of the worst things that a son could ever say to a father. And he heard one of the worst things that a father could hear from his son. I was hurt. I was bitter. I was angry. I didn't let, I didn't deal with it, so it dealt with me. And I looked at this man one day, and I said words that I should have never said to him. And I pushed him away from my life for almost a year when I should have never done that. And I thought I was never going to have a relationship with my father again. Never will it happen again. But you know when you put your hands in what God's plans are, they're not going to work. It's just going to fall on you. God in his throne 
all-powerful says, I'm glad that's what you think, Regal. But watch how I'm going to do this. So I needed a painter to paint our church when we first got it. And I knew a painter. And it was my father. And I said, Dad, I need the church to get painted. And he says, I got it. And the Lord started to transform my father's heart, even as he was painting. And won his heart, never has left the church again, never has left God, has been walking with the Lord, and then we've been walking alongside each other. For 25 years, I wouldn't say I necessarily had a father to walk next to. But God said, watch what I'm about to do. Because for the next season, the next half of your life, watch the father that you're going to walk next to now. The Lord restores. You're going to hear it in the podcast. I invited him to come to church one day in the church that I was at and I was preaching at. And I did an altar call. And one man showed up to the altar call. And it was my father on his knees. And on that day, I say it in the podcast, I got next to him on his knees, on my knees, and I said, forgive me, I love you. But the most important thing is that God forgives you and God loves you. And we hugged that day. And we cried that day. Everything wasn't solved that day. But what was solved was this. I dealt with it on the altar that day. And that day I was healed forevermore. And I never went back to bitterness again. I never went back to hurt again. Because in forgiving, I'm the one that got set free. And from when I did that, everything opened. We planted a church. I found my wife that I was praying for. I should have brought my daughter up here. I left her out. But since it's the men today, we'll just talk about us men. And I'll talk about my favorite son. But because God restored, God restored. Because God restored, because God restored, God restored. Because God restored, God restored. You see how deep, you see how deep God goes? God goes so deep into the work that he's doing that when you were in your early 20s and you said, and I don't want to say because And I said what I said to him. In my early 20s, see how deep God goes? He'll go so deep that he'll take it to generations. He'll take it so deep that he'll heal and he'll restore so deep that he says, not only am I going to bring that back, but then I'm also going to give you what you've been crying for, and I'm going to give you the desires of your heart 
because you allowed me to deal with the things that you were hiding and running and growing bitter from. Church, I, I don't know how else to tell you this, But God restores. On this Father's Day, God restores. I don't know what your Father's Day plans are, but if you need to run to someone's house today, at least go cry on them, hug on them, and say, we'll meet later, but I want you to know today that this is restored. Hug them and love them and leave and plan the next thing. With whoever it is, with whatever it is, if it's God himself, then wrestle with him. But let it happen. Because if you don't, I promise you, it's all over scripture. It's going to deal with you. So deal with it before it deals with you. And let the Lord do a miracle. And let him restore. I could lose everyone in my life. But I have enough to know that I have my family with me. And that's a picture that the Lord does miracles today. Lord, I pray, Lord God, for whoever's in this room right now, for whoever's hearing this at whatever time, whatever place, wherever they are at hearing this. Maybe they could relate to the story of Isaac with his sons Jacob and Esau. But Lord, they need to trust in you. They can't reject your word and your wisdom. They need to know that if it's from you, then it is from you. They need to deal with these things now, rapidly, right now in their lives. And they need to believe and come to the place where they know they serve a God that restores. I thank you, Lord restoring my life that today I get to lay down next to the woman that I love and I get to hug the father that I love and I get to play with the children that I love because Lord you restore I pray that for friendships I pray that for families I pray that with relationships with you I pray that in ministry I pray that you would be God, the great restorer of all things on this beautiful, amazing Father's Day because you are a good, good Father who restores everything.